are ending our series called Choices Today. Uh, yes, I know. Uh, next week, we're going to start a series called Behold, and you see that a lot in Scripture, and we're excited to, to start that with you next week, uh, our Christmas series. But we're finishing the series called Choices. You see behind me a lot of doors, right? Some of you guys are like, I would like to buy those. You know what? We might make it easy for our friends at Chippy Hollow who allowed us to borrow these. I can get some prices for you if you want to take them home today, because that's less that we got to take back. Um, but uh, Chippy Hollow was so amazing um, down in Star City to let us borrow these doors because they are symbolic. Doors are symbolic of choices that we make, right? Doors that we walk through. And our current gratitude, the, the, the gratitude that we possess in our hearts today is based out of the choices, the decisions that we made yesterday. And you can probably agree with that, right? You can look back and say, man, that was a monumental decision I made there to do this. Or, man, that was a big decision that I made there and uh, not so good. So you can look back and you can see that this is true, that, that choices are a big deal. And our current level of gratitude is determined by the choices that we've made before. So you've seen in this series that we've kind of followed the life of Moses a little bit. And we've, we've gleaned from his life where we, we started looking at him in Exodus when he talked about what it means to trust the Lord. You know, when you're looking at that Red Sea and you know that you've got to look at it through it or around it or across it, not knowing exactly how it would work out kind of thing. You know, when you just look at it and then God says, I'll make a way through it on dry ground, that takes trust. But also we looked and we saw how he was challenged with obedience. And uh, we saw that Moses, you know, is a man of God, was a man of God, known as one throughout the generations, but he struggled with obedience, right? He struggled with obedience, and we saw from his life a moment of disobedience and how that changed the trajectory of his life. We saw that God had the promised land as his promised land as well, but because of disobedience, he was disqualified from that promised land. Now, it changed along the way. He was still obedient after the fact. After the fact of what? This one moment when God said, Moses, speak to the rock and water will flow forth for all the Israelites to drink, you know, because they were always upset, always frustrated. You know, they were never happy. Does that sound familiar at all? It's just people stuff, right? And he says, speak to the rock, Moses, and water will flow forth. But what does he do? In disobedience, he strikes the rock twice because he was mad. He was frustrated. He was tired, right? Does this sound familiar? When God said, speak to it. Now we know from the beginning of Moses' life, especially his involvement with the people of Israel, God was challenging him to use his voice from the beginning. So it's not by chance that God told him later in life, use your voice. But instead, out of anger, frustration, and sheer tiredness, he struck the rock the rock twice, okay? So we saw this trust factor, this obedience factor, and then today we are ending this series of conversations on choices with something called learning to live. Learning to live, okay? And this is a choice, and it's a choice to learn, right? It's a choice to learn. You know, some of my greatest lessons growing up, some of the things I learned the most were by watching those around me, right? Especially someone like an older brother or a family member or something like that, or, or those friends in school that were always seeming to be the ones that were getting in trouble for doing stupid stuff. Do you remember those friends? I was sometimes that friend too. But what I'm saying is this, you learn by watching and you choose to learn and how you will learn to live every day is up to you. So what we're going to do is glean from the life of Joshua now. This is someone who was with Moses, okay? 
one of the only two original people from the bondage of Egypt to make it to the promised land. You know, he was one of the two people also uh, that gave a positive report when they went and spied out the promised land. Everybody else was afraid. They said it was too great. It was too scary. The people are too big to fight, you know, all these kinds of things. So he's one of those two people. Also, Joshua is one of those folks that had a great relationship with the Lord. You know, he was someone that hung out in the tent of meeting kind of thing. He stayed in the presence of God. He was someone that valued his relationship with the Lord. And Joshua was a natural leader. He was someone that would naturally be selected to take over this venture of the people of God from Egypt, which was long ago, then to the promised land in Canaan. So we're going to look at Joshua. And he's also, like I was saying, someone that was able to look back and learn, but also learn how to live in the promised land, okay? So we're going to look in the book of Joshua, named after himself, Joshua 24, 14 through 31. You'll see it on your screen, and I'll read it, and you can follow along with me, and I'll explain some things along the way. And then after that, we're going to share some key things that I think are important and really help us today, all right? Joshua 24, 14 through 31. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Now, this is Joshua speaking to the people of Israel what God has spoken to him, okay? So he's instructing them. There's the beginning of a conversation here between him and the people of Israel. Now, fear the Lord and serve Euphrates River all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites. Now, this name is going to make sense later because it's very important. And whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, does this sound familiar? Anybody picking up on this now? You may have heard it in this context. You were that troublesome teenager. Maybe you were talking back to your mother or maybe you'd done something wrong and your dad comes in all of a sudden, you know, the authoritative person in the family or maybe mom too. But you know, that's for me and my house. You listen here. We're going to serve the Lord. So what's your, did anybody get that growing up? Anybody? I see that hand. God bless you, my child. <laughs> Counseling is free for you. Okay. But you, you may have heard this in context, or maybe when you, when you were a kid, there used to be this thing called a Christian bookstore back in the day. Now it's called Amazon. Um, but you would go through the store and you look on the wall and you'd be like, oh, that's a cool one. I like that. You know, that's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. You know, you may have seen this, but we're giving you the context and why this is so important because this is Joshua's swan song, all right? This is his, his last conversation with the people of Israel. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord, our God himself, who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. They're beginning to talk back, right? They're beginning to tell him that, man, I'm seeing some things here, Joshua. I'm starting to understand the picture a little bit more. I'm starting to see what was really going on. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, there's that people group again, who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, again, a conversation happening here. You are not able to serve the Lord. <laughs> It'll make sense later. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. 
If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring, you, bring disaster on you and make an end of you. After he has been good to you. After he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no. You have like a, a toddler, you know, when they learn the word no. Have you ever had that happen in your life? Or you maybe have that little niece or nephew. No. You know what I'm saying? No. You just want to, you just give them the shoe and the, the right foot of fellowship. Don't you say no to me. Don't you say no. It's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. I'm not your child. No. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Okay, so he's saying there's still some things in you. You're saying this with your mouth, but there's still some foreign gods, some things within the camp that we need to talk about. And the people said to Joshua, again, a conversation, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. They're talking about obedience. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people, not a contract, not a written agreement, you know, not something that we, you know, did you get that notarized, Joshua? Was that notarized? Did you get a notary? No, not that, okay? A covenant. This is something like done in blood. This is between God and man, like mayor laws. And there, there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws that had been passed down. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of God. Can you see this stuff happening? He's setting up this contractual, no, covenant agreement and also reminders of this too, okay? He said, see, he said to the people, this stone will be a witness against us. And what we've said here, it has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Now, that will make sense later as well. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. He's like, go be in the land. This is your inheritance. Go be in the land. And then we see this. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age, listen to this, of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Sarah, at the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. So we see Joshua setting up the classroom, right? And this area called Shechem. Don't you like that? Oh, Shechem. He sets up the classroom and a conversation happens between him and the people of Israel based out of the conversation that he had with God about how they are to live in this land, how they are to learn to live in this land. If we go through life and we learn nothing, we go through hardship, we go through difficult situations, we go through times of joy and we learn nothing, was it really worth it? Our goal is to learn to live, and God has promises for our lives. But what we got to do is learn how to live in those promises, all right? So a few things we're going to glean from Scripture this morning, starting with this. Learn to stand for what is right. Learn to stand for what is right. Joshua 24, 15, again, 
the swan song, that's scripture and context. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We see Joshua speaking from his heart here. And it makes me want to ask you, what, what does your heart say? What does your heart say is right? See, so often in life, when we try to gauge what is right, we look to our right or to our left. We look at to, to our neighbor. We look to our friends. We look to television. We look to media. We look to whatever to figure out what is right. Does that, does that seem appropriate? Do you think that's a good observation? But see, what Joshua was trying to get at is having your heart in the right place so that you actually know what is right. Because Israel could easily compare themselves amongst themselves, couldn't they? Think about it. They were the kids of the, the rebellious parents. Well, did you know who my dad was? He was the one that caused that rebellion over there. My dad, he was the one that burned down that place. Or, or my mom, she was the one that did that. Man, I'm great. Josh was like, no, 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 no. The real heart that you should have. If you really want to live in the land, you got to have the right heart before you get there. The right heart. And he challenges them, doesn't he? He says, what do you desire? Because if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, don't tell me you're going to do it right now. Because I can tell you one thing, it's not going to be cupcakes and rainbows for the rest of your life. Things are going to get easy. So if you're really down with this, if this is truly the desire of your heart to do what is right, then go in covenant with me and the Lord today. Okay? Standing for what is right sometimes even means standing by yourself. Right? You know, being uptown more now at the, the new foundry, a couple months Driving uptown on a given Friday night, woo, you guys are like in a war zone. There's no telling what's going to be around you at any point in time. And you may find yourself in a situation or in a context where you may be standing by yourself for what is right, and you're going to have to find yourself leaving that situation so that you can continue to stand for what is right. It's not easy in your workplace, right? you may find that. In your home, you may find that. Have the right heart that is connected to the Lord. You'll be able to stand for what is right. He was saying, will you serve the gods that were served in Egypt or will you finally leave them there in Egypt, right? It's gonna take a conscious decision to get the gods of Egypt out of your life and let the God be the God of your life, okay? The God. What this looks like to serve him is giving our lives over to him being slaves in this sense and laborers for his cause, but also cultivating the gifts and work that he's given to us. That's how we will serve the Lord. Second thing is this, learn to look back. This is so important. Learn to look back, okay? Why? Because you will see what God has done. There's nothing better in your life than to have friends that can help you identify the goodness of God in your life, right? Sometimes I can be a cup half empty person. Anybody like that? We call that a realist. No, a realist that's in denial calls that realism. Okay. Um, but we need people in our lives that will encourage us and say, man, do you remember? And with the founder, you know, guys, we've experienced all kinds of amazing stuff for the past three years. Amazing stuff. 
you know, where God has just supplied every single step of the way. And if I, as the leader, choose not to see those things because I'm seeing only the things that are around me, I will forget the power of God in our lives. If I choose to look back, I will see where he was present. I will see what God has done. And I will have so much more gratitude moving forward because of that. See what God has done. Joshua 24, 17 through 18. This is again where Israel begins to respond to what God has done. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, there's that name again, who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. The moment that Israel responds, what are they saying here? The Lord is the one that brought us out. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't so-and-so. It was God who brought me out. It was God who performed the great signs. He was the one that made water flow from the rock. Yes, it took Moses striking the rock, you know, the first time around in obedience. But God made it flow. He was the one who, he was the one that parted the sea and we walked through on dry ground. Us choosing to look back and see God in the situation, that he fought and protected us on our journeys from those people, even called the Amorites, the people that lived in Canaan, that God enabled them to, to overwhelm and conquer. So much so in Joshua 10, the sun, as they prayed, the sun stood still so that they may have victory over the Amorites. They looked back and they saw God's hand at work in their lives. It's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? We need to be reminded. The third thing is this. Learn to destroy the gods of your past. You're like, what? This will make sense. Hold on. Joshua 24, 23. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Throw away the foreign gods that are among you. Why would something like this come out? Joshua was making a point that you can't serve lowercase g gods and uppercase the g god, okay? You getting what I'm saying here? You can't do both. What do these gods even look like? Now, they did have, you know, they did have little gods, literal little gods, big gods, all kinds of gods. Any type of god was great for them kind of thing, all right? Because they struggled to believe God, uppercase g, completely, all right? But what do these gods look like to us? How does this make sense to us today? Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe you place more faith and trust in the person next to you, okay? Maybe it's your bank account. Maybe it's your vocation, the job that you work. Maybe it's your education that you work so hard to achieve. Maybe it's even your spouse or even your children that you've placed before your relationship with the Lord, any good thing can become a bad thing if it's not in line with God. If it's not him first and those things second, we can idolize these things and make them a God in our lives. God is the one. You guys, you know how much I love my wife and kids. He's the one that did that. Trust me, it wasn't me. <laughs> Trust me. All I know that y'all don't know about this guy, it was not me. It was the grace of God. It was God, so much so that I began to understand the grace of God, number one, but also the love that I could receive from another human being from the grace that she gave to me. 
So he's always first because he made it happen. And then these beautiful little babies running around, right? You've seen them. I love them. Just want to eat them up. They're my kids, you know? It's all because of God. But if I choose to put them before him, I'm being disobedient. You see what I'm saying here? Making sure we put away the gods of our past. How does this happen? How do we fall to these gods? How do we begin to believe in them more? Well, like we talked about last week and even the week before, sometimes we don't have enough patience to wait. Trying to find your significant other. Remember, we made a, a joke about that. God, I have been doing the right thing for three months straight. I have saved myself for three months straight. I haven't talked about it. I've been nice. I've been kind. You know, I haven't, I, I, I haven't dated God. I, I put the fleece out, put the fleece out before you. I haven't dated. Why have you not come through? You know what I mean? I am so mad right now. It's pathetic. I'm angry, God. God, I'm angry, you know? And it's like three months? Really? Was that long enough? You, or God shows up in a way you didn't expect and that's not what you wanted. You mean... I have to work for the money? Yes. I have to get a job. Yeah, you sure do. But I don't want to do this job. Do you want to pay your bills? Okay, good, good. You got me. See, sometimes we get this way because he shows up out of our timing, because remember, he doesn't exist in time, newsflash, but also in ways that we didn't expect because he always knows the better way, you know, and we just get, we get impatient. We get impatient and we get frustrated. And then all of a sudden we're like, I'm just going to get, I'm going to go get the job I want. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to date whoever I want. I'm going to drink what I want. I'm going to smoke what I want. I want to want I want to want. See what I'm saying about this? Versus being patient in the process and putting away the gods of your past and serving the uppercase God of your past, your present, and your future. Okay? Not fun, but it's worth it. Trust me. Not easy, but it's worth it. Put away the gods of your past. Okay. Fourth is this, learning to love the Lord, not the land. This was so important to see here. Learning to love the Lord and not the land, this promised land that we're talking about. Joshua 24, 25 through 7. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them the decrees and laws. The decrees and laws, ways that we should live and the things that God has given us to live by. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. He wrote it down so they had something to go back to in the future. So important. If you have a notebook, good job, Nate. Heaven's going to be awesome for you, okay? Just kidding. But make sure it's going to be awesome for everybody. Write it down. Take notes. Write it down. Something to go back to. And they want to make sure they knew this because times wouldn't be easy in the, in the future. But it's the law of God refer to it. Then he took a large stone. He upped the ante there. He took a large stone. This is fun. Can you imagine? It's like a big monument, okay? A large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words. You think, what? A stone hurt? What? It's an inanimate object. It does not have ears. Come on, man. What do you mean the stone heard? It'll make sense in just a moment. The stone, it has heard all the words the Lord has said to us, and it will be a witness against you if you are untrue to God. Where was Joshua going? Going to die soon. What was still going to be there when he was gone? The stone, almost even like a headstone, like an epitaph that is written upon it. 
a reminder. A stone that he placed there in this beautiful place that was, that was the land flowing with milk and honey as a reminder of what? Don't love this land more than the person who gave it to you. Don't value this land more than your relationship with God because you made a covenant here. And every time you walk past this stone, you're going to be reminded of what you said to God and what you said to me. For generations to come, it'll be a reminder of what we decided to do together today of our covenant between us, each other, and God. A reminder. Okay? Shechem. This is the place Abraham pitched his tent and built an altar. In the beginning, you always hear this of the lineage, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the people that were the the forerunners to the people of Israel, right? The place where Jacob dug a well that, that still existed in the time of Jesus as he met with people there. The place where Joseph was buried, right? The place where Joshua then would remind and challenge people that day to trust and obey the Lord. And this stone again acted as that witness. That witness of the conversation that happened, but the covenant that was made there that day. So that when things got tough, they could go back to the stone. They could go back and see the agreement that they made with each other and the Lord. This covenant agreement that we will serve the Lord. All right? The last thing is this. Our worship team is going to come forward as we're getting ready to conclude this morning. Our last thing is this that I want us to learn this morning. Learn to live a legacy. Learn, excuse me, I made this mistake before, but it was on purpose, and you'll see why soon. This time it was on accident. Learn to leave a legacy, but also to live a legacy is so important. John Glenn, astronaut, talked about he, he liked it to be a, a, a legacy versus a legacy. It's so important for us to understand how we live today determines tomorrow. You see verse 31, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. But this last verse comes up again because it was the one that encapsulated this whole scripture really. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, I would love to see what was inscribed on the stone. We don't know. You know what I mean by that? Maybe it was these words of Joshua there. You know, this Christmas, you know, as a family, I don't know if you guys do this, but families do it. You, you visit the graves of those that have, have gone before you, family members. And this Christmas, we're going to do that in Virginia when we go down to visit mom. We'll be with her in the flesh. And her dash is not complete on that headstone, but dad's is. So we're going to go and we're going to visit and we're going to share together memories. Because really, that's what a legacy is, isn't it? It's a memory of the things that you did, but also what people would have to say about you after you're gone. Doesn't that make sense? So like, what do you want people to say about you? Do you want them to say like the same things that they would say about Joshua? Man, his last words were, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. I have lived so many years and all these years that I've lived, nothing has been more important to me than to serve the Lord. Nothing has meant more to me than to serve the Lord. So as for me and my house, 
We're going to serve the Lord. That's, that's what we're going to do. Because that's the most important thing that anybody could ever do. Is give their lives for the Lord because he gave his only begotten son, his life for us. What do you want them, if there were to be a stone erected somewhere, someplace, maybe in your hometown, imagine if you get to be that big in life, huh? You get your own little monument. That'd be fun, right? I wouldn't want that. No telling what they'd say. I need to pray. Uh, No, but what would be written upon it? That they, they really, they loved God and they loved people. That, that they were so selfless. That, man, they just, they cared for others. Or, man, they just, they were such good people, but it was God people. Not just a wonderful humanitarian, but someone that lived out of the overflow of their relationship with the Lord. They truly, they truly served the Lord. Or, uh, you know, father of so-and-so who went on to be this amazing person. You see what I mean by this? It's legacy. And the question I have for you this morning, what do you want written there? What do you want people to read about you, but what do you want them to say when they share stories about you? Because I have to be honest, when we go back there together as a family and we look at the headstone, it's not going to be easy because there's so much, so much that's under the bridge. So much water, some calm, some like raging rivers. So you get all of this, don't you? But what do you want to end on in your life? Right? What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to choose today that will be your legacy tomorrow? The most important thing you can do is choose to love the Lord your God with everything in you. Give your life to him. Be willing to serve him. Die to self, then Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus reminded us of that, and he summed up all of these things that people try to live by, all these laws and regulations, because it even got convoluted and really big in the end. He said, love the Lord your God with everything in you, and love your neighbor as yourself.